Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have Jeff Anderson with Kaizen Analytics. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you very much, Lee. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I'm so excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us about your firm, how you uh, serving folks. Absolutely. Uh, Kaizen Analytics was founded back in 2016 here in Atlanta. Our first office was actually uh, in a shared office space over on Pylon Street near Pont City Market. It got cramped over there pretty quickly, and now we have uh, relocated out to Ravinia over near Perimeter Mall. We also have offices in New York, Dallas, and Chicago. Um, we've had remarkably consistent growth because what we do is help companies make better, faster, and more profitable business decisions with data and analytics. Um, the mission that we created back over on Pilot Street six years ago uh, is true today, and um, what that mission is is to make data and analytics actionable and accessible. So now a lot of firms, um, you know, you hear about big data and data is everywhere. And now you can keep track of data in places you couldn't even imagine, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. How do you help your clients kind of discern what is uh, data that matters? What is data that maybe you can ignore? Um, or is all data, data that matters somewhat and you just got to kind of prioritize it? Like, how do you help your clients wrap their arms around what seems to be a never-ending supply of data? Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent way of uh, asking that question there, Lee. Um, for, for Kaizen, it's all about finding your unique story behind your unique data. Um, quickly understanding what happened, why it happened, how to learn from the outcomes that you're getting, and then moving on to predicting, optimizing, and continuously improving your uh, business performance. Now, our name, Kaizen, which is Japanese for continuous improvement, it's core to everything that we do, not just the name of our our company. Um, Because using Kaizen principles, we rapidly deliver an initial solution for a client, you know, in a period of weeks. And then we continuously improve that iteratively based on client feedback. So it's an ongoing, and that's why I said your question was beautifully worded in that it's a never ending continual journey that you're on as companies continue to uh, leverage advanced data and analytics. So how do they even know where to begin? If it's this giant pool of data that's constantly being created and um, some parts that are super important, some parts that are maybe less important, but how do you even begin to know which, where should I pay attention? Which is the area that I should focus on where there's a lot of opportunity? Where's an area that's telling me there's danger around the corner? What it, it just seems overwhelming if I don't have good systems and processes in place. Um, yeah, that is, that's a great point in itself. Um, the way we would attack that with our clients is that we start small, but we think big. Um, we, a lot of times, will follow the money, so to speak. So we'll look for the largest um, revenue streams, the largest cost buckets, and then attack those with the Kaizen approach of continual improvement. 
So that's where you begin. So that's a, a, a logical place to begin. Then you kind of dig in there uh, because that the places that have the most revenue are the place that have the most cost. Therefore, you can have the greatest impact. That's typically what we see uh, where the, the biggest opportunities are. Um, also, the more complex the business is, uh, the more opportunity that you have, because um, with complexity, um, things like, uh, you know, revenue leakage, uh, customer churn happens, fraud, those types of things. And what we can do is apply advanced analytics, such as anomaly detection capabilities to find those situations and uh, do that so that you and your team are not having to hunt through and sift through all the data and the spreadsheets and everything else that you use to run the business. Now, who is the kind of the ideal client for you? Are these these enterprise level Fortune 100 size companies that have the resources and have the data that can be attacked in this manner? Or is it relevant to small to mid-sized firms as well? That's the beauty of what we've got going here at Kaizen. Um, we have created an ability to support both larger Fortune 50, 500, 1,000, even 2,000 companies, um, and uh, basically being able to provide capabilities for them uh, that are to, to get them to actionable results. Um, and that's really that actionable part of the mission statement that I mentioned earlier. Um, so for them, it's all about making data and analytics actionable, finding real value within their data, leveraging analytics. But we also serve much, much smaller companies, uh, and we do that through the accessible part of our mission. There we have a suite of products that effectively allow much smaller organizations to take advantage of those same capabilities that the big clients, such as, uh, say, a Home Depot here locally or a, um, you know, a Delta Airlines that have been investing in these capabilities for, for many, many years, uh, with lots of data scientists and lots of IT professionals who do great things. But what we've um, set up here with our product offerings is in a way for the smaller players to actually take advantage of these capabilities and deliver real business value. So what's an area where a smaller company uh, could lean on some of your tools to um, you know, create more value for themselves? Is it around pricing? Because I think in smaller firms, pricing is kind of a let's make a deal world and that there's not a lot of analytics behind it other than a gut feeling or what's the temperature of the, of the marketplace. You took the words right out of my mouth with the gut feel. That's uh, that's typically what we see in some cases. It's almost an afterthought. It's like we got, got the new business, but then, Oh yeah, what are we going to price it at? So um, we have a, a specific offering Kaizen price. Um, think of this, as first of all, it's an application which you can consult from any smart device, but think of this as your pricing brain. It forecasts your demand, calculates your customer's sensitivity to price, optimizes the price, but then also factors in external data, which sometimes has huge impacts, you know, things like weather, macroeconomic data. And we've created an ability with Kaizen Price to um, essentially democratize the ability to price like much larger companies and do that for a very affordable price. So is this uh, industry agnostic or does it work better in certain industries? Um, 
In terms of the, I guess I'll speak to that initially more broadly from a data and analytics perspective. Um, I guess the two things that are driving the industry industry adoption overall um, is basically two things. Ever-expanded data um, where companies continue to capture more and more data and then also the pace of change in technology, which allows folks like us to, to apply new techniques to expand and, and push the envelope. Um, but specifically speaking, I would say that you know, look at a couple of different industry groups, consumer-centric industries that have extremely high volumes of transactions, you know, think retail, financial services, travel-related industries. These industries were some of the earliest embracers of data and analytics, but honestly, they're probably due for a facelift. Um, then you have industries, you know, using advanced machinery that have sensors now that capture literally sub-second um, data activity, Things that are industries, excuse me, like uh, chemical, energy, industrial manufacturing. These are huge opportunities to leverage data and analytics. Then you've got industries such as uh, that have kind of known throughout to be very inefficient from an operating standpoint. Healthcare comes to mind. Can you imagine how leveraging data and analytics, how much more effective in terms of patient outcomes and more efficient um, these healthcare providers could be? If they knew exactly who needs to come into the OR, uh, the optimal staff to, to provide the care, uh, optimizing the treatments, and, and really increasing the throughput to care for more folks in the uh, in the operation, and then don't forget about services industries, uh, specifically where I'm speaking here of law firms. Um, we've actually began recently working with law firms to use these same data and analytics capabilities. Um, my lawyer buddies will say that lawyers are people too, and I would extend that to say they also have data too, and they can leverage uh, that data and analytics for huge value within their, their law operation. So how does the data analytics work when it's um, kind of a creative field or a subjective field where the value is kind of in the eye of the beholder? Like um, the art world, say. Like how could you price a piece of artwork, um, you know, with any type of certainty or predictability when it's so subjective and, you know, you can put one thing in up for auction and it could be worth millions and another thing be worth next to nothing. With the, uh, in, in the world, like the art world where there is some subjectivity, um, a test and learn approach, it would be really a fail self fail safe approach to that. Um, where we establish a price based on what we've seen in the past using, you know, as much history as we can. Um, In some of these cases, you know, going with small and wide data instead of the big data is uh, is a great approach. But what we would do there is um, establish a price, watch that uh, to see the reaction, and then adjust accordingly. So we call it test and learn. And, um, you know, we would apply that type of approach in, a, in an environment such as, uh, you know, um, when you're selling it like a, a very unique art pieces. But that would come into play, like, say you're a small um, producer on Etsy or one of these marketplaces. You know, you're, you produce something, a T-shirt, and you, you know, you kind of can guesstimate, okay, this is how much T-shirts sell for, but how do I know if this is something that's going to be, have wild demand or no demand? So it's this um, kind of test and iterate approach you think is yep. 
uh, kind of fundamental to any type of new or creative endeavor? Yes, that's exactly right. So you don't like if you're just starting um, a business and, you know, taking a test and learn approach, just, you know, really making sure that you are, in fact, looking at it closely and frequently to see based on that price, how, how fast or slow are, is your merchandise moving and then learning from that and then adjusting. Um, again, going back to our, uh, our approach to how we deliver for clients, the continuous improvement also falls very much in line with that. So this, these are just the fundamentals of how you do what you do. Uh, that is exactly right. Um, you could probably almost every client engagement uh, there'll be some element of a test and learn. So whether you're, you know, brand new business getting off the ground and you want to use that approach, or we've used it, especially in the, uh, in the last two and a quarter years when we've all been impacted by COVID, um, a lot of those forecasting models for a lot of our clients, you know, really went out the window for that period of time and using approaches like test and learn and small and wide data allow clients to nimbly shift um, when dramatic things like, like a pandemic happens. Um, but is that a practice that you, you feel that businesses should be incorporating at all times because change is always happening. It may not be good to the degree of a pandemic or, you know, just tremendous inflation, but there is incremental change. So you should always be testing and always be optimizing. Yes. That's what we, we would recommend. Um, you know, if you think about the concept of, a decision support optimization solution. And there, what you're constantly simulating, what is going on and what you believe is going to happen in your business, taking those different scenarios and probabilistically figuring out which of those are are likely to happen, but then preparing for the edge cases and just being, being ready to, you know, kind of go with the market or go with uh, the direction that the that your business is going, but you know having the the machinery and the horsepower to have done all of those um, scenarios in advance and be prepared for any end number is is really that is a best practice that we see out in the market. Now, is that it, it? Feels like it's going against human nature a little bit in the in terms of humans want things to be the same. And they have this kind of uh, security mindset or stability mindset, and and it changes always. Ha- they understand intellectually change is always happening, but you need to have mechanisms that are triggering alarms, right? And that are telling you, hey, there's danger around the corner, or hey, pay attention to this. This might be occurring. So you have to kind of have your hand on the on the lever in case you need to pull it. And you need to always know where you stand. And the data analytics part of this is trying to help you if you're open to it. Uh, Exactly right, Lee. Um, A lot of times what we will do is put in place, um, even if we're not necessarily truly optimizing a solution, if the client is not quite ready for, you know, the true optimization, business rule-based alerts and establishing guardrails that once once these alerts are triggered or, you know, we're seeing uh, a situation outside of what we're guarding against, then being able to trigger different operations, different processes, different decisions uh, to really 
keep you more focused on and, and avoid, you know, catastrophic situations where uh, you, know, you get into to real trouble. Now, you mentioned that um, I think that one of your tools is an anomaly detection engine. Can you talk about um, in a world where anomalies seem to be happening with more frequency or maybe we're just aware of it more? Um, how did this come about and uh, how can your clients benefit from it? Yeah, our anomaly detection solution, um, probably one of my, our most exciting developments uh very candidly, but it's our newest offering in our Kaizen Insights suite. Um, what our anomaly detection solution does is it, it automates the delivery of very powerful, but at the same time, hidden insights in your data. Importantly, without your team having to scour through and sift through all these different, uh, the data that you have, different structured, unstructured data sources, reports, et cetera. Um, what the solution does is it, it systematically looks through and finds patterns looking at all aspects of your data. It establishes what we call the business as usual baseline on key metrics like fraud, customer churn, revenue growth, even revenue leakage. Um, but it, it's looking for those metrics, which ultimately could potentially drain company profits. And then it finds those outliers against that baseline. Um, great example of this is um, for a cable company, we use this solution to identify outliers that resulted in reducing their customer churn by 5 to 10%. So we found pockets of their customer segment combinations where churn was happening that looking at it in an aggregate, they couldn't really see it, nor could they really act on it. But when you bring it down from your your base of 10 million customers down to uh, a household group of uh, say 1500, then you can take action and you can really move the needle. So, uh, but, but you are right in that there's a lot of anomalies out there and really trying to uh, separate the wheat from the chaff, what's real and what's not. Um, that is the key to the whole thing. And that's what we've got set up with this anomaly detection solution. So what uh, do you need more of? How can we help? Well, um, you know, when you, I guess one thing that I wanted to say is that um, with our presence here in Atlanta, Atlanta has been an outstanding location to build our business. Um, I would say that without a doubt, we would not have been nearly as successful starting anywhere else but Atlanta. Um, we've got great clients here, amazing talent, access to, to, to great institutions and just a talent pool. Uh, that is really second to none in this space. And also a local community, I, I almost see them and feel them as, you know, champions, fans, supporters, mentors, uh, like the Atlanta CEO Council, great, great council that we've leveraged a lot. Great airport, can't forget about Hart Atlanta, Hartsfield, Jackson. Um, that allows us to move really quick and deliver for our clients too. So it's really about, um, figuring out ways that your companies can use data and analytics, starting small. We think big, but we start small. Um, really trying to understand that story behind your data, figuring out what happened, why, and then enhancing from there. And, uh, you know, I guess just, um, you know, in summary here, just asking yourself the question, what's your data really telling you? Where are those opportunities to, 
to really have a huge impact in your business with data and analytics. Well, if somebody wants to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on the team, what's the website? The website is kaizenanalytics.com. I'll spell it real quick. K-A-I-Z-E-N-A-N-A-L-Y-T-I-X.com. We we would uh, love to help and uh, carry the data analytics torch uh, forward in your organization. Uh, Lee, I appreciate the time this afternoon. It's been uh, it's been great speaking with you. All right. Well, Jeff, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. You bet. Thanks. Have a great day. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Atlanta Business Radio. 